the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 309. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Emma Branham. And I'm Paul Brislin. Welcome along. Great to have you both here. Good Thanks for having here. me. Emma, maybe you can remind people where you fit into this world of journalism and technology and the like in New Zealand. Uh-huh, that's right. Well, I'm from News Hub and I dabble in a little bit of tech, a little bit of weather and a little bit of commercial content here, there and everywhere. Cool. And Paul? Me, I am. I do a little bit of tech journalism for the Institute of IT Professionals. I do PR and comms for a whole raft of tech companies and come along here and blather on about um, technology whenever you have me. So, yeah. Which we, we will no doubt enjoy today, as, as always. Um, and I'm the founder of Gorilla Technology and of the New Zealand Tech Podcast. So, um, well, let's jump in. Um, now, I need to probably give a little bit of an explanation. We had something unusual last week and that there was no New Zealand Tech Podcast episode, which doesn't happen too often. But my mother had passed away, and so I took some time out with, um, with family, which was, was good to get that time. And I kind of thought it was worth mentioning this because really I, I owe quite a lot of my uh, involvement with technology to uh, to. Carol Spain, my mum, because uh, she was the one who, I guess, noticed the interest of myself and my my brother Jeremy in, in technology, and um, and gave us a little bit of push. Uh, she gave us a, a, we had a PC and then a Mac, Ooh. and so uh, which were kind of the useful things of the of the day in the eighties as far mm. as getting onto technology. We we had access to some other bits and pieces before that, but at the level of of getting a, a PC and a Mac as a as a youngster at school, it wasn't the sort of thing I could uh, I could afford myself mm. so uh, so she uh, she sort of gave a, a very good helping hand there and the uh, the other thing she was involved in which um, used to actually drive me up the wall at the time was she was involved in teaching people now <laughs> she taught people music singing and piano and it was you know I'd come home and you know try and get on the computer and shut out the noises of people trying to sing scales which was not something particularly pretty but she took that and then uh, when she retired she was teaching people about Macs at SeniorNet so uh, excellent so right up as long as she was able to she was uh, she was teaching people about tech and she loved her loved her Macs mm. so as soon as, as soon as she got onto the Mac after the PC she was she, she was, was sold and, uh, and never went back so uh, yeah you'll have both made her proud then so yeah so I won't go on uh, anymore about mum but lots of good memories there anyway and lots to appreciate um, but let's jump into the the news and and topics of the week mm. Paul spark you wrote uh, you wrote something up on the uh, NZ tech blog yeah around uh, around that around their latest maneuverings and uh, <laughs> their how, how, I'll let you explain it all right all right so they've, they've made several announcements in the last couple of weeks not least of which is this big push to get people to use fixed wireless services using their mobile phone network so a fixed wireless service means um, you get a, a sort of like an antenna on the side of your house pointing it at a cell phone tower and you get much better throughput than you do if you get a cell phone that moves around a lot Vodafone offers this in rural areas already there are a number of wireless ISPs doing similar things and spark has jumped into this but in doing so it's poked uh, chorus with a bit of a stick it said um, one of the reasons we're doing this is because chorus's copper network is so error prone 
and we get so many calls from customers who have faults uh, all winter long. It's just terrible. The copper's in terrible state. Um, so we're going to be, promote, be promoting this over and above copper lines for the first time. So for Spark customers, the world now consists of fiber to the home if you can get it, fixed wireless if you can't, and if you really have to, well, we'll sell you a copper line, which when you consider that Spark was part of telecom for 25 years you know that's a that is a major change for them and chorus has been really quite grumpy about it it's been quite entertaining to watch yeah i i mean there is some there is some validity in the old uh, the old copper network not being the mm. most uh, reliable of systems oh that's and right. hence one of the reasons why ultra fast broadband is so good right it's yeah, uh, yeah. it's great having this network that's all all digital and uh, you know not prone to mm. issues when the when things get wet and so on, that's right. Um, you know, you do have a higher reliability rate, and but yeah, I mean, purely from a from a business perspective, if Spark can sell a connection that runs over their mobile network yeah, exactly. and they don't have to pay any money to Chorus, yep, then you know, it's a huge that, win for that's them. got to be the big driver, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? And a lot of this is off the back of the uh, the Commerce Commission determination into the copper pricing that came out uh, about a year or so ago now, the final final version. Chorus managed to talk up the price of copper quite dramatically. All the ISPs kicked up a stink, and but there's nothing they can do. They're forced to pay it. So Spark's solution is, well, okay, we just won't sell your product unless we have to. You know, ultimately... The copper is getting old. It's it's um, it, it has a, a finite lifespan. You're running an electric current down it, so it heats and contracts and expands. It gets wet. It falls apart. It rots in the ground. Uh, I was through the Ponsonby Exchange a few years ago, and they still had uh, silk wrappings on the ends of some of the copper lines from when they were first laid in the 1800s. So we're talking about a very old network. You know, it's it's not designed for modern use. So. Um, yeah, if you can get fibre, that's the idea. You move over to there. But, yeah, very interesting commercial move on Spark's part. And, of course, they'll be putting their hand up um, most vigorously for the uh, the extension to the RBI, the Rural Broadband Project. They'll be um, uh, wanting to get some of that money uh, back for um, uh, for rolling out wire- fixed wireless services to rural customers. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Mm. So how does it affect customers in terms of pricing? Well, they're aiming the fixed wireless service really at uh, low-end customers. So um, people who don't usually use the internet an awful lot, if you need it just to check your email and maybe do a bit of web browsing, then it's being offered as, a, as, as an alternative to the copper line. So in terms of pricing, uh, it's very similar to the, the copper services, um, ADSL services that are on offer. But the benefit for Spark is that they get to keep a lot more of the, um, of the profit. There's a much bigger profit margin because it's not using Chorus's network. Wow. So, yeah, it's a very interesting move. Chorus has been a bit grumpy about it and said, well, you know, you can't blame us for all your bloody problems. Oh, what's going on here? Uh, but really, um, I don't know, you know, this was exactly what was going to happen uh, if the price of copper was too high. And um, here we are. It's all very entertaining. Mm. Well, we've got, yeah, I'm just looking because Skinny have their, you know, offering, which, you know, of course, is, is part of Spark. Mm. And they seem to have tweaked their price again. I thought last time I looked, it was $55 for 100 or 120 gigabytes right. of data. It's now $52 for 100 gigabytes of data. So it looks like they're really trying to get at that yeah, price yeah. point where the, the the customers whose usage isn't too heavy, which 100 gigs would cover... It's not too heavy these, um, these days. ...would cover, you know, probably at least a third of, mm. you know, of ADSL users in the country, somewhere in between probably a, th- a third and, um, and half, yeah. um, at my guesstimates, because I think we've heard 
uh, figures of sort of you know average usage being around that 100 to 120 uh, gigs. So uh, that's a pretty large segment yeah. to be targeting. And at $52, they would basically undercut, well, I mean, well, in, your copper in, line, in, anything yeah. that's done over the, over the copper line. That's right. So, copper uh, line know, with a, a landline and, and a voice call package, you're talking easily 50 bucks. Mm. So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, this is pure data without, uh, without any, uh, any phone service, mm. but. Uh, Welcome uh, to f- the world of f- Skype. $52 from, uh, uh, from Skinny there is um, yeah. it's reasonably competitive. You do have to front up for the, for the cost of a uh, router. Last time I looked, what was that? Well, they call it their modem, $99. Uh, $99. So yeah. um, $151 for your, uh, for your first, first, uh, first month, but. Uh, yeah, it's not too bad. It's not too bad at all, and it's the shape of things to come until until we get to the world of um, you're just buying data and you do what you like over the top of it. These kind of package deals and, and manoeuvres will be quite commonplace, I think. Now, Paul, you would know what um, rules that Chorus operates under um, to, a de- to, a, trying to, to, forget. to to a degree. <laughs> um, could, I mean... If Chorus are losing too much market to this, mm. they could actually they could actually lower their prices, couldn't they? they I mean, they're not they've, Chorus. They've, they've, no, they've, no, Chorus can't lower its prices. They, they've they've reached the absolute limit of how much. I mean, my God, they barely make a penny as it stands. Yes, they could bloody well so lower their prices, even even though there's sort of a setting. That setting is yeah. is not something that they can't drop below if they no, wanted no, it's, to. No, right? no, it's, it's, it's a maximum. Uh, it is not. Yeah, uh, so yeah. so the the problems all began. If you want a quick, and I'll try and keep it. Um, uh, uh, relatively pain-free um, history lesson on chorus. In the old days, they used to price all of our uh, retail services on a retail minus basis. That is, they look at telecoms price right across the board. They take off a margin, and that's the wholesale price. And it was really quite high, um, so high in fact that when they moved to split telecom up into chorus and spark, they said, "Well, chorus doesn't have a retail arm, so we can't do a retail minus price. We'll have to move to a cost plus model." So we'll work out what your costs are. We'll add on a small margin, and that'll be your basic cost price. Um, and this will be such a big drop that Stephen Joyce said it's going to be a big problem for you, Chorus. We will give you a three-year holiday to get ready for it. Um, this is unheard of around the world. You don't get regulatory holidays anymore. You'd be lucky if you get a regulatory long weekend. But they got three full years to get ready, and they didn't. And they, when it arrived, they went, "My God, look at how much money we're going to lose. This is outrageous. Six hundred million dollars a year. It's going to be a, it's a, it's a killer. We can't possibly have that." Uh, so the government gave them a bit more money in the end via the Commerce Commission, and um, Chorus has, has been um, uh, immediately turned around and paid a dividend to its shareholders. So, you know, you'd have to say at a time when it should be investing in the new network um, to also pay a dividend means there actually there's quite a bit of fat still in the business. You know, there's there's there is room to maneuver. Uh, we're getting a new CEO, um, the new relatively new chair of the board, Dr. Patrick Strange, is uh, really quite uh, keen on them being efficient. Uh, so I expect to see them actually adjust their prices and um, come away from the regulated price um, sooner rather than later or they'll lose all of Spark's customers that they can migrate, yeah. And Spark's uh, percentage of the customer base is, is still very, very large. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in New Zealand, is it over fifty percent? It's no, it's not. It's not at it's, fifty anymore. They've come come off that since uh, Vodafone and Telstra Clear. Um, Vodafone and Telstra Clear are about twenty five, I want to say. And last I heard, uh, Spark was in the uh, about a third of the market. 
So they, they're, they're not as big as they used to be, of course, at 100%, but they are um, still the biggest player in town. So for them to be actively and aggressively marketing an alternative, Chorus should be very worried. They should be. They, they should, should be. be. Absolutely. And that's $5 for you in the sin bin. <laughs> they're ringing you now. <laughs> <laughs> that's embarrassing. I had a little uh, a little reminder. I thought, oh, yeah, I can set that at that uh, at that time of day each day. That's, uh, that, There'd that, be no that, problem that's with a, that. That's a good little reminder. Um <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't work very well on um, this particular day. No, no, no. All right, sorry for the interruption. Um, I should also mention, sorry, there's a bit of a squeaky noise, which I was I was thinking was Paul's chair, and then I thought, how can it possibly be the Paul's chair? Because he's, he's, he's <laughs> on a pretty comfy couch there. There's nothing in it. And everyone looked at me on my chair and thought, well, Paul's, Paul's chair, mine must be, uh, must be creaking. And then figured out, no, it's not my chair. And then it's we, much worse. We, we realised it's, it's, it's actually... There's a concern that the roof might lift off the building in this um, cra- in these crazy winds. So if this episode is incomplete, um, we will probably do an explanation in the uh, in the final uh, edit. Will. But uh, yeah. yeah, somebody will. They'll they'll find the data somewhere and uh, uh, put it online. And um, yeah, but you may not hear from the three of us again. Yeah, that might be that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Now on to other local topics. Winyard Group. Now we we heard about them in uh, a previous episode uh, in terms of going into administration and so on. Um, we haven't really had too much of a an update, other than you know quite a big chunk of staff have been laid off. Mm, that's right. right. So yeah, we, yeah. we don't know whether they're uh, whether having um, any luck with um, being sold or you know finding other investment and so yeah. on. I think 72 of their 132 um, staff were let go and um, you know, the last we've heard there, there are still uh, 60 uh, remaining uh, staff. That's, yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a real shame. They, they're trying to find somebody who'll either buy the company as a going concern or um, you know, will buy the intellectual property, for instance, and try and, and develop it further. Um, you know that's got to be a bit of a long shot at this point. Uh, uh, so it's it's a it's very much up in the air as to how what was one of New Zealand's tech darlings will do for the next few years. Um, yeah, it's it's it really is quite a shame. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I mean it is really hard to know whether there is going to be an on uh, a going concern mm. there. I, you know, I don't know what the reality is in terms of their customer base and. Uh, um, no, you know how much actually you know trading there is that's going going on there. And actually, to be honest, what the actual product they were selling entails is it something that is proprietary that um, companies will swoop in on, or is it something that is more of a business process that they just happen to get you know very right, um, and and which uh, can be replicated by somebody else who's equally as smart. So, yeah, without some more data, it's a bit hard to tell, but. Um, they did have a big uh, relationship with Jade in Christchurch, the software house down there. So you might get a, a buyer from that kind of background, somebody who says, yeah, we can actually take this and develop it further for our own uses. Uh, but as it stands at the moment, it seems to be the end of the line for Winyard as a, as a going concern. Which is pretty sad. There are a lot of people involved. Um, what was their market cap? Sort of north of $100 million, I thought, at oh, one, one point. At one it point. was um, yeah. yeah. So it's 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 a bit of a sad tale, and you know I think it's the sort of thing that will probably impact people's confidence to to invest in the tech sector. Because who is their main sort of customer base? I always thought it was the crime agencies, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, police or um, the U.S. Department of uh, what is it? The DEA uh, was I think their number one 
client. But you, you know, they were very never really clear as to whether they were clients or um, here. Can you trial this for a, you know for a period of time and tell us what you think and potentially become a client? Uh, there was a lot of talk about deals in the pipe that they hadn't landed. And they just kept talking about these potential deals and never actually seemingly landing anything really quite large. So, you know, that is always a concern when they won't tell you the actual numbers. You expect a, a startup like that to be in debt for quite some time, but to you know, not actually make any money is, is really quite alarming. Yeah, Not, not good. Not good. Well, um, hopefully we'll have some other great success stories to share and yeah. uh, hopefully something good comes out of the ashes there. Well, that's right. Now, uh, something, because we haven't had an episode for um, for a couple of weeks, something that we haven't talked about um, is there were some new announcements from uh, both Microsoft and Apple uh, at the end of October. Now, this was, this is always curious when, when we see Apple line up an announcement sort of over the top or next to some other event, be it a, a big sort of global event like Consumer Electronics Show, uh, or a Microsoft, etc. And what tends to happen is that, um, yeah, basically the Apple announcement just sort of shadows out and kills uh, the yeah. others because all the attention goes to uh, goes to Apple. Because it's always exciting. It's always so exciting. That's right. This uh, this situation seemed to be a little bit different. So on um, uh, the I think it was the Thursday, Microsoft made. Um, made their announcement with the Surface uh, Studio in particular and a few other bits and pieces, Surface Style and an updated Surface Book. Um, and this just seemed to get a whole lot of attention. People mm. uh, people are pretty excited about what uh, what Microsoft's doing. It's sort of, um, I, I don't know what your, your take on it is, but the Surface Studio looks like a really, really cool product. I mean, it's not aimed... You know, you look at it, you think, "Wow, this is this is in the sort of class of a of an iMac in terms of a very stylish all-in-one computer." But then it's then it's got a, a little bit more to offer, uh, and it certainly is on the price point because mm. they're targeting very much the professional user. But when you think about those those you know designers and creators and architects and so on, that's been Apple's domain. That's where you where you, you know you walk into those studios. And it's it's Max wherever yeah, you, wherever yeah. you look, uh, but I've heard from people that are saying, "Well, this is it. I, this is what I want." Um, what's what's your thoughts? I, I think it's beautiful looking. I mean, how how large were we saying the screen was? It was it's a 20, 28 inch 28 screen. Inches. I think it's uh, thirteen about thirteen million pixels. So it's um, you know it's it's higher than the you know ultra high yeah, definition yeah. or four K type screen. And I love the way you can make it go flat or stand it up because I'm often finding that, you know, sitting in front of the Mac, I, I like the fact I can angle it, but sometimes you just want to get hands on with it. Yeah. But it's better because it's bigger than a tablet, but it's not the sort of machine that you could stick under your arm and walk off with, is it? No, it's the size of a television. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. But yeah, yeah, it, it's a glorious looking piece of gear. Uh, and to have that come out and then literally steal micro, uh, uh, Apple's thunder the next day was, was quite unusual, as you say. Uh, I'm not so sure. We were talking before about the, the dial thing. Um, the that, surface dial. I that, mean, it could be a mouse, but could also just be a. a it's it's a dial like, that you <laughs> that you turn. Yeah, um, it's like one of those executive toys you have on your desk for stress. You know, you just turn it a lot, and something will happen. Yeah, that I, looked a bit gimmicky for me. It did. I, you know, I just, yeah. But having said that, um, as you say, the designers and the architects are all mind-boggling over this and saying, "Well, a stylus on a screen that size 
uh, with all of the, um, the the apps that they've got available to them in the in the Microsoft world. That's you know, that's going to be a game changer. So that is quite remarkable. How much are they? Um, so the starting price is three thousand US dollars. So it is Ooh, very much targeting yeah, yeah, that, you know that commercial yeah. uh, market. And you can imagine this isn't going to sell sort of like hotcakes like the no, uh, the, no. The, the, the the you know Surface Pro and and so on, which is a much more accessible price point. Once you translate it to New Zealand dollars and add in yeah, a, yeah. a bit of tax and so on, the jiggle, uh, you know, you're you're up around that uh, five thousand uh, dollar point. Yeah. So it's not um, yeah, it's not something that you it's not that, a consumer that, that you expect to sell. Yeah. Uh, a million units of like <laughs> like they have been with the the other Surface yeah. products, but it's it's in as you say it's in that Apple heartland. It's, well, it's, it's, it's something that's very desirable, a, yeah. isn't it? And yep. I guess by creating a few of these desirable products, it, mm. it changes the, the feel of how yeah. people perceive uh, how they perceive Microsoft. That's right. Um, and then of course we had the uh, the MacBook Pro announced the day later. <laughs> Which and was so underwhelming. My well, goodness. We had this challenge with Apple, right? Where yeah. they haven't been releasing as many Macs as I think most people thought they should. They've got yep. outdated products. So, I mean, I was expecting, yes, the MacBook's going to be announced, but hey, there's going to be a bunch of other Macs announced yeah, as well because right. these other ones are all, you know, getting, getting, getting a little creaky. bit long in the tooth. They yeah. really need to be refreshed. Um, that, that didn't happen. No, no. And, and the refresh of the MacBook Air. Um, the end of the line. That's that is no more. It's now it's a MacBook Pro. Uh, the entry level price point now is is significantly higher than you used to pay for the Air, with very little additional feature set that you would actually care about. Um, so the base model doesn't have the big feature that everybody's familiar with, the uh, the Touch Bar, um, and and yet it's still significantly more expensive than the equivalent MacBook Air would have been um, if you if you could get one. So. Yeah, it's 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 a big, it's it's a real turning point. I think the the um, the love that uh, the Mac boys had for Apple seems to have come off the boil a bit. They've they've grown hugely in in recent times in terms of their customer base. I think we were talking about ninety million Apple Mac users around the world, which is a huge leap up for for Apple. They've I um, think but it's tri- tripled their uh, market yeah. share over the last decade. That's right. Um, so that you know it's really come up. But the I guess the last twelve months it started dropping back it's, a little, which is, is, yeah. is interesting. I switched to using a MacBook Air when um, uh, Windows eight uh, was was the flavor of the month, simply because Windows Windows 8 made my teeth fall out with anger and hatred, uh, and I was not alone. <laughs> so at the time, I needed to get something. There was no way I was going to buy a, uh, an Apple, uh, a Windows 8 device. Uh, so I got the Mac. It's it's fine. I've got no problems with it. It, it works well, it, but it isn't that dissimilar anymore to a Windows 10 device. You know, Microsoft really has addressed a lot of the issues and, and come back fighting. And I think the combination of a, a high-end, glorious product like the um, the new Surface plus usability, plus interoperability. Uh, you know, it's got a lot going for it. Um, uh, I don't know, we'll see Microsoft get back into the um, into the cell phone game again, but, um, you know, that's probably not a bad move either. Apple just hasn't really delivered anything of, of um, with a wow factor um, for several years now, and that's got to be quite a concern. And the touch bar, 
the touch bar honestly not going to get a whole pile of new customers it's you know uh, okay it's quite nice but it's a bit of a gimmick isn't it it's um i like the idea of a thumbprint to so access the, it but yeah beyond that's, that, that's what good isn't it do? having yeah. touch id for yeah. authentication is is nice and i think let's go you know, anyone with an iphone has got very used to that as yep. a way of authenticating and, yep. and logging in without having to um you know key in long complex passwords which yeah. is you know in theory what we should be uh, well generally what you should be using um but the the touch bar i mean it should come as standard as well well I don't it should think you should you have know, to yeah. buy a base model and then upgrade to the touch bar yeah yeah i think it's ridiculous and, and, and the price does is, the touch bar make sense this idea of getting rid of the top row of keys and i'm looking at the the standard macbook here with the thin row of keys your escape key through yep. your power key and then your function function keys with your other uh, other uses the air doesn't uh, have it yeah you know, I mean, I've not even noticed that I didn't have the function keys until they said, we've replaced the function keys. And I looked at yeah. my laptop top and went, oh, actually, I, I haven't. So used. what are they labelled on the air? They're not labelled with the F1 no, through the No, they've got F5s. none of that. No, no. Right, whereas okay. they are on the, on the yeah, MacBook. That's right. Um, so, so they've yeah, they've replaced that with, with I guess, your sort of touchscreen equivalent. But yeah. a lot of the commentary is saying, well, Hey, you've now got a touch screen when you, you know, Used why didn't you buttons. just actually give a real touch screen? <laughs> yeah. See, I'm quite, so uh, I've got to say, I'm quite glad that they didn't go for a touch screen uh, on the main screen itself. Um, and I have to remind everybody, including my wife, if she's listening, that I do not have an iPad. This is a laptop. Stop touching the bloody screen. You're getting your grubby fingers all over my screen. It's a beautiful screen. I'd like it just to be a screen, thanks. Um, so I'm quite glad that there's no poking and prodding of, of the screen. Having said that, um, you know, replacing a row of buttons, they've solved a problem that wasn't there. It's, it's unless they do something really interesting with it and, and maybe well, there are a bunch it's now of down to the apps you know, that, that will. That yeah, can do fancy stuff, stuff. with it. Yeah. The, the question is, is it, in those cases, is it better to be touching one, um, you know, to be touching a touch bar or in those cases if you're moving something around, yeah. would it be better to actually just allow the full screen to be That's exactly know, right. t- yeah. touch ready in that case? I have to be honest, I would prefer the screen to be touch ready so, because oh, I really like, I yeah. get fr- I love my MacBook, but I get really frustrated with the fact that I can only type. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Just wanting to touch you, the screen. You just want to move stuff around. And, and everybody, you do get used to that I, very quickly. So do, don't you? It doesn't take very Even long. Even if it's just as simple as, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at the Apple website now, but of course... I'm, I'm, I don't have my hands on the keyboard. No, you, you know, we're doing other to, stuff. So if yeah. I want to scroll, then I'm just I'm going to reach out and um, and and try and do and that. Or if I want to zoom in on yeah. something, uh, because it just becomes so natural from all yeah. our other devices. And, and so. you look at kids using devices in particular. I, I watch my girls grow up using touchscreen devices. That is is so much more intuitive. They get that instantly. They using a mouse is very alien to them. But I do understand. I do understand Apple's perspective, and Microsoft have struggled with with enabling touch in yeah. Windows. And Windows, 8, we, I mean, we really saw it. There are aspects of Windows that, you know, however you slice and dice it, it's not mm. really geared up for touching touching the screen it's, it's in, combo, in, in every it? scenario. Yeah. So the keyboard, yes, the mouse, and the touch screen mm. is a is a together a bit having of a having having yeah. the option. It's it's nice to have the option, but mm. it's it doesn't quite work for everything. So if, oh yeah. well, I can I can touch screen this. Well, it's like, mm, well sometimes you can. It's it's, yeah. it's it's a mix in terms of what yeah, what yeah. works. But I think you tend to figure that out. But um, you know, I understand where, where Apple are coming from yeah. with the approach. Now, the other thing that Apple um, took a lot of flack for is that um, 
and I'm, I've got the MacBook in front of me, and that's what we tend to do our uh, do our recording on at at the moment uh, for New Zealand Tech Podcast. Um, and most of our, our podcasts in the studio here, um, it has one USB-C connection <laughs> yeah. on it. Yeah. We have a dongle attached to that, which brings power in, uh, gives us a USB connection to our uh, audio mixer, and then there's an HDMI out. So you've, you've got a dongle. I've got a couple of other you know, dongles here as well. Um, yeah. But really, they've, they've taken a lot of flack, and people are saying it's not a MacBook Pro without some of the other ports and, and connections yeah, that were yeah. there before what what's your take on well i i um i was disappointed with the previous version that had one one hole in it uh i really like the the magnetic power supply on my macbook the the mag safe so if you trip over the cable well it's uh and i have watched the cat run behind the counter and all the iphones go flying and my macbook sits there quite happily and i'm very pleased about that Um, but having said that i can understand my uh, apple wanting to take more of the ports out because the ports take up a huge amount of space inside the machine and let's face it this thing is getting so thin it's practically two-dimensional well they're so thin there isn't room for the traditional types of ports that no, we're, that's, that that's we're right. used to right there's so not room for a vga connection yeah, there's yeah. not room for a full-size uh usb that well that's an interesting one because you know microsoft have made their sleek yep. and slim surface able to have full-size usb and uh and you know, a couple of other bits and that's, pieces. That's right. Yeah. But this but is the, this is what led to um, to Samsung's big problem with the um, the the exploding cell telephone. Uh, it's so thin and so compressed that something's got to give, and occasionally they burst into flames. Or uh, you just take some of the gear out, especially the the hot stuff like uh, ports. Um, I'm still surprised Apple hasn't gone for. Uh, cordless recharging do away with the uh, the hole in the side for the power altogether power by proxy i think uh, new zealand company would be in there like a rat up a drain pipe with with its capability it can already do this kind of thing uh and yet they've never really got it across the line and i think i think that Apple technology would need a game is sort changer. of continuing to mature it and, is it uh, is next couple yeah, of years couple we should of, see uh, stuff you know competing yeah. standards and so That's on right. but uh, you know ultimately that should get there without yeah. your laptop uh, catching on fire <laughs> you from being too hot from charging we hope yeah, but, exactly uh, exactly yeah. but you know the dongles the collection of you know what was the plastic? picture that got tweeted uh, around last week was uh, it yeah. 17, 17 different dongles, dongles that Apple have dongles. now. Honestly, you know, you. I think they're just providing choice. I'm. I mean, I thought it, it looked. <laughs> it looked funny, but they've got a whole lot of different devices. I yeah, don't yeah. think that's actually a, a big deal. And I'm looking at your setup there. You've got, you know, you've got the dongle. It's, it's just wires on a table. It's just like normal. Whether it's plugged into one socket or into a socket of sockets, you know, so what? And yeah, I think it's just it flies in the face of Apple's aesthetic quality. You know, this whole idea that it's. It's contained and it's beautiful and it's portable and now suddenly you're carrying a bag of plastic bits to try and plug in to make it do what it was used what what used to be built in. So but are you that, I mean, how many dongles do you actually need to use? You need one dongle with four different. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean the, the, base, the, the basic model. The little dongle we've got here for the MacBook, uh, you know, provides you a monitor output and there's one with VGA or one with HDMI. Um, and that's all you need. That's yeah, yeah. That's I mean, right. I, I For, don't in plug some into cases, anything, I guess it, it depends on what your requirements are. Yeah. Do you have many things plugged into your Mac, Emma? Not really. No, no. I've got so, nothing. I just power it up, and that's it. Yeah. So in a lot of yeah, cases, yeah, this actually probably is okay. Yeah. My, I guess my, you know, rebuttal of those sort of saying, look, this isn't a MacBook Pro without all these other, uh, you know, connections in it and a and a uh, SD card slot mm. is that, well. If you're going to be using this all the time, then 
I would be looking at some sort of docking station. Now, That's I think right. it's unfortunate that Apple don't have their own uh, yeah. docking station yet, as far as as far as I'm aware, unless I missed that. Um, but there are docking stations, and I've got I've got one uh, in my office that um, you know works with that USB C Thunderbolt connection that will mm. drive your uh, network connection. It will you know basically everything can plug into there. Um, I don't think it's got an SD card slot, which yep. is something I think uh, you know uh, people some people will miss if you're a photographer yeah, and yeah. so on, and that's part of being a pro product as you're catering to that audience. That's right. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not absolute perfection, but, you know, I think with a, a MacBook, the new MacBook Pro with a dock is probably actually a pretty good solution for most people in that it's mm. sleek, slim and light to take away Fully when you're featured. not using it at yeah. the office. Yeah, throw a dongle or two in your bag. Um, but at the office, if you you know you get an appropriate uh, docking solution, yeah, then you're and uh, it might be that the HP one works well. I, I'll try that once uh, once we get our hands on the uh, on the new uh, MacBook Pro, which I think um, should be in the next uh, next couple of weeks, hopefully. Marvelous. Yeah. Um, and and see how that goes. But I, I would think that would probably mm. um, that probably be a reasonable a reasonable job. Now I know some people want the portability and they want all those features sort of built in. Well, yeah. yeah. We're kind the of in a changing world, aren't we? Where right. um, laptops actually um, are going to have less and less because they are getting slimmer, and um, yep. that's and, and it'll be the Chromebook the model. It'll be the the cloud based. Everything's just Wi Fi connected, and so why? What do you need all the holes for? And I can see that you know that makes a lot of sense to me. For my money, the the product that um, I'm waiting to really see Apple uh, deliver is the AirBuds because the more I read about voice activated computing and um the the ability to carry it around plugged into your ears i don't think they're quite there yet but that to me is an interesting end of town uh and and that's where i'd like to see apple innovate um you know cell phones and iphones and ipads and it's all just iterative these days it's just developing on what we've already got and it's faster and it's thinner and it's slightly better hopefully and doesn't catch fire but the airbuds that's a, that's a whole new realm and i'd really like to see a lot more effort in that area from all the all of the major providers portable devices and wearable devices that you can talk to and interact with that way um you know that's that's got to be a huge new realm of opportunity i think the glasses haven't quite taken off but that'll be they'll make a comeback i'm sure and yeah, then we can say goodbye to all of this. What do you think about smart earbuds, Emma? I think it's uh, Sony who've got their Xperia Ear voice assistant, which is a little wireless device. I think it's supposed to be launched this month, actually. Really? Oh, see, I'd like to, um, which, like to which see these things. Sits, you know, just sits in your, in your ear. I guess it will. Um, uh, it'll need to be connected to a smartphone for for all the all the all the um, the power. But the idea is is that it it gives you a you know a Siri type capability yeah. that's uh, that's just in ear, so you don't need to uh, you know you don't need to be grabbing your phone and triggering it. That's and, right, and, and so on. That in your ear plus um, uh, connected to your to your watch, uh, you know that might be the solution for people who are properly mobile and just want access to you know. I can talk to Siri and get answers out of her because I don't have a Kiwi accent. So yeah. I don't know how you can you get a <laughs> it by, but it does really help. I've, I've seen Kiwis try and use Siri and um, what's the Amazon one? That was hysterical. Um, yeah. yeah, Alexa. She, she just she threw a little electronic hands up in horror and said, I don't know what you're saying. I get some pretty good results out of, out of, yeah. Um, yeah. Out of Alexa. Um, but I do have some pretty amusing experiences in the car sometimes when I'm when you're shouting when, I, when I'm talking to <laughs> when I'm talking to Siri, whether it's dictating a message yep. or 
requesting something and um yeah i was chatting actually this last week i was uh you know group of people amongst family and uh, people there of all ages and um and i looked down at my iphone and uh, everyone heard uh, heard Siri, you know, saying, I, I, I don't understand what you want. Um, we, we were just having a discussion. Nobody mentioned Siri. Yeah. And, well, what what was on the screen was a four-letter word, porn, uh, was on the screen. And we were just having a general chat. And, she picked, uh, and, picked up the and, key words. And, and Siri had uh, had picked up porn out of uh, out of that discussion. I have no idea, no how, idea where she why, got it from. why that triggered yep. Siri, but um, but there you go. So, I, I um, still struggle with um, voice activated devices. I have to say because I always feel a bit silly. Yes, yes. Talking away, when but you, that's us. You know, you know, it's generational, isn't it? Even with the um, Apple AirPods, when I was trying those out, wandering along with those, and I felt like a complete wally, <laughs> like a drongo. Yeah, yeah. basically. You know, yeah. Two toothbrushes sticking out my ears, and then trying to talk to it as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But then, uh, you know, I, um, uh, my youngest daughter, um, I sent her off to do a maths homework uh, the other day, and I was wandering past her room, and I heard her saying, "Siri." What is 3x over 4y minus? And she was asking Siri. Siri was telling her the answers because Siri can work that kind of stuff out. And I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm doing my maths homework. And for her, it's, it's as she video calls her friends. And I still find that a bit odd. Um, and she's quite happy talking to her computer and the computer talks back. And um, uh, yeah, I think I, that's definitely the way that things will go. I suspect I can see a display built into your glasses, toothbrushes in your ears. I don't know how you go jogging with the toothbrushes though, because surely you have to tape your head shut because they're just going to fall out. They, they do. They fall do. Out. You know, they're quite heavy things, really, aren't they? For for they're quite solid. Um, so I don't know how you're supposed to keep them in. And you've also got to be quite organised with all these little well, bits do. and pieces, you know, because yes. otherwise you're sticking them in your pocket and you're not putting them back in their charging cases and you're, yep. you've got so many different accessories going on. Yeah, I, the, it's still a way, it's very much a beta test at this stage. But um, that fascinates me, that whole world of um, not just wearable but um, intimately wearable devices, as it were. That's, um, that's yeah, quite quite entertaining, yeah. And the AirPods have been uh, delayed. We they have. Uh, we don't quite know the exact um, I suspect arrival they exploded a couple of times and they thought, no, you probably don't want to put those in your ears, do you? So, <laughs> <I think laughs> so yeah, that's been pushed back a bit. Yeah, a few connectivity issues, weren't there? With that? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, now, Samsung have made an announcement. Well, there's been an announcement locally mm. from the uh, telecommunications uh, forum. That's right, the TCF. And uh, Samsung, um, they both sort of sent out their little little updates, uh, yeah. basically saying that in New Zealand, and this seems to be a, a world first, it's only uh, only happening here at, at this stage, um, but because of the agreements that all our, uh, our telcos have, uh, Spark Vodafone at two degrees, uh, if you turn on your Galaxy Note 7 after, uh, I think it's the 18th of, um, yep. Oh, yep. of November, the networks will they've basically got a list of the serial numbers of all the all the note sevens that have been sold in New Zealand and they're going to be treated in the same way as a phone that has been stolen and gets yep. put on the blacklist so they'll all be blacklisted 
Uh, turn can't it on in New Zealand, it. you can't use it. Nothing will happen. So you would have to ship it overseas to use it, which of course is a little bit of a problem uh, because <laughs> these, things, these things aren't allowed to be on aeroplanes <laughs> and so on. So I imagine they're probably going to up their uh, return rate and probably get uh, get most of them back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was Spark who said they had thousands of them still out there that people just hadn't returned. So uh, I, I think it's a great idea. You know, if you can if you can get as organised as that, we've got three network providers. All three of them have a, a protocol around blacklisting stolen handsets so that you can't just steal them and swap them. That's great. That works really well in New Zealand. We don't have a problem. What, a, with what about those that are listening in that love their Note Seven? They're not ready to get rid of it. No, I don't want to be sitting next to you when you decide. Uh, no, I know best. Yeah. It's like when you buy a car that was recalled because of problems with the brakes and you check to see if they had it fixed and they haven't. You know, let's just get this thing sorted they, out. They can either wait till the ne- you know next phone that comes out or they could go and buy the Huawei Mate 9, which I think is probably the closest rival to the Yeah, yeah, to the that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and, and just go for it. I'd, yeah, if it was anything other than an explosive problem, I, I think I'd probably say, oh, well, you know, let the buyer beware. But when they, when they actually set fire to things, it's probably time to take it back to the shop. That was my feeling. I had one or yeah. two people on on uh, Twitter who were sort of saying that that should be their choice, but uh, I don't know when when yeah, safety is nah. involved, I'm uh, I'm reasonably comfortable with this particular approach. Yeah, actually. Um, now, and all, the other thing from uh, from Samsung is that they have. They've bought themselves um, a Siri equivalent. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about their washing machines. So, so did I. No, no, no. We've already talked about their washing machines in the past, and they've got new ones. Yes, they've been recalled too. But we've they've been recalled. About their, you can't take them on the room. phone on the plane either. <laughs> um, but they've got um, they've they've gone and uh, basically gone out and um, and bought their own um, personal assistant. So um, yeah, this. I guess is what what they're looking to uh, to roll out in the the next generation of uh, you know mm. Samsungs the uh, the S eight and uh, no doubt the the Note eight since they've decided not to ditch that uh, that name which is I'm I'm still I'm stunned I'm still at a loss that they're keeping the Note <laughs> and they haven't just you know gone for uh, page know, gone 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 for for something brand new yeah, but anyway yeah, yeah. marketing it's a mystery to us all mm. yeah. so it's going to be their um, their their Siri killer. Apparently now, my re- recollection on this: the company they bought, Viv Labs, um, artificial intelligence uh, company, um, which is founded by um, the guys who made basically Siri before Apple acquired right, it. So right. you've got some, you know, some pretty smart people pretty good uh, chops there. behind it. Yeah, and I would uh, imagine with with that sort of expertise in there, they'll probably pull pull off something that's uh, that's pretty good. So mm. um, we add another sort of assistant um, to all the other ones that are uh, that are out there to this the is I think it's quite good because we're gonna see some really strong uh, hopefully some really strong competition and um, certainly for anyone working working in this field uh, they'll have uh, plenty of money sloshing around to uh, to play with as as, as Google and yep. Amazon now Samsung Apple and and others are uh, competing. Oh, yeah, it's great to see. I think it's um, yeah. The more more of them trying, the better. The more competition in this area, the, the sooner we'll get something that works for us all. Yeah, and especially with Samsung having so many home appliances as well, you can oh, see absolutely. the personal assistant being used in all of those situations. Your fridge, I'd and like your a cup machine. of tea. <laughs> 
Yes, arguments in my house now include the to- include the toaster. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So is Samsung going to come back by launching lots of robots? Because they they already do. I don't know if we've got it in New Zealand, but they do the uh, the autonomous uh, vacuum vacuum cleaner uh, units. I've, oh, I've noticed at CES before. Yeah. Um. I mean, they're you know they've got their smart fridges and yeah, washing yeah. machines and and so on. So um, the Internet maybe, of Things. That's you know yeah yeah, yeah that is that is it's got to be playing. That's their strength. Is that is that combination effect? The downfall is the user interface. I don't know about you, but the the Samsung TVs are um, horrible when it comes to the interface and uh, the idea of a, a, a browser on the outside of the fridge. Um, you know, so you can look inside the fridge without opening the door. Just open the door. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. Having said that, when you combine it all together, if you're going to make the Internet of Things work, then um, then a company like Samsung is well placed to to deliver on that. So, they are because they're making yeah, so many products. They're already, already in there. They? If they can if they can get a handle on security, seems to be the big concern at the moment. Uh, and I did enjoy the uh, the tweet that said the Internet of Things is actually short for the Internet of Things that shouldn't be on the Internet, um, <laughs> which uh, which may or may not be true. But, uh, you know, you get that sorted, you get the interface designed well so that it is as easy as using a, an iPad or a, um, a, a Surface. And I think you're away. You're onto a real winner there. Mm-hmm. Now, we will pick up and talk about uh, Huawei's Mate 9. Um, we won't go into too much on it this this episode, Emma, you've had a little bit of a look at some of the details um, through on this. I, I think. haven't seen an actual an actual device yet, but um, when it was announced, um, it looked like a pretty impressive product. And of mm. course, it's got the the dual camera again, which I think will be a big hit. Yeah, it's still a different approach. I I still I like Apple's approach. I've been enjoying the um, the, the having the two time zoom on the. Um, on the iPhone Seven Plus, yeah, it, I, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting just to uh, you know just to see how this this works. They've definitely bumped up their uh, cameras. They've got that second camera that's uh, black and white, and I think it's uh, is it about twenty? Is it twenty megapixels a second? Um, the second camera. So I mean, yeah, you're dealing with a very uh, a very high end phone, and and the Mate series from uh, Huawei has been their uh, has been their their top end. You know, their real high end sort of. Flat, flagship so uh, you know a, a real step up on a lot of the other products in the in the space um two two things that i'm not aware they've got is yeah they don't have that sort of um the the zoom but i guess they've got a higher definition as their second camera waterproof i don't think they're don't, um, they've I... moved in on hmm. on the waterproof thing yet so that still gives um you know apple samsung and uh sony a, a little bit of an edge there because that's something i've I suddenly realised, like, well, just about every phone I've I've got dunkable that I've been, you know, using sort of day to day recently is uh, actually look. It doesn't matter if it gets, uh, you know, gets a bit wet, yeah, yeah. and um, they've all got cases on them, so they can be dropped and splashed, and yeah, they've got the supercharge technology so that it charges really, really That's quickly, right. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a that, full that charge. Rapid charge, which yeah. all of them are. All of the players are now telling us that they have some variation of. I'm struggling. I mean, the the battery I think in the Mate Nine is huge—a four thousand milliamp hour battery. Um, that sounds that sounds pretty fantastic pretty in terms of how long that's likely to last you. I mean, you do need a bigger battery with that five point nine inch uh, screen. But I probably need to look at. I don't know whether there's if someone must have done some sort of side by side comparison in terms of these the charging because mm. they all they are all claiming how amazing they are at charging, but they all give you varying. 
uh, varying, you know, things. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, whether, you know, I saw something mentioned that, um, on Spark's website about the uh, Lumia 950. Now, that's the, that's been out for, I don't know, a, a year or so, but mm. it was saying how it would charge to 50% within, I don't know, 30 minutes or something. And, right. And, you know, all of these have some slight, you know, variations on, on those types of claims, but... You know, it's oh, charge for ten minutes and it'll last you for eight hours. Well, how do you compare that to yeah. these other claims? Because yeah. they're all coming up with slightly different claims. That's right, slightly different um, metrics for the same thing. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I imagine there's probably a fair degree of uh, of, of similarities, but that we're going to have to we're going to have to check so we can actually get 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 uh, get a uh, um, yeah get the reality of it. I suppose, um, yeah, because I think they because you've got Qualcomm's technology. Which which is quick charge, I think two and quick yep. charge three. But of course, these being uh, Huawei phones, I think have got uh, Huawei processor in them, so there's probably a slight variation on uh, on that. But um, yeah, fast charge I think is pretty handy. Mm. Got to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as is having a decent uh, decent battery size, and um, I mean it's good to see really slick cameras coming in in all of these. Um, now there was what was the other thing um, that I thought was pretty cool in the last few days was. Um, Tesla's announcement around roofing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this um, is absolutely the future coming to town, isn't it? This um, solar, yeah, solar roof, uh, roof tiles from uh, from Tesla. And beautiful looking. You can't uh, they, tell at yeah, all. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's that's the way to do it, isn't it? You, you hide it. You just make it ubiquitous. Um, and I've seen prototypes of uh, transparent uh, solar panels so if you think every window in your house could be a solar panel, uh, you know, suddenly we're, we're, we're moving rapidly to a world where we can not necessarily be off the grid, uh, but certainly it's battery first and we charge up the batteries using solar or whatever we've got uh, to the point where um, you, your reliance on the grid is, is greatly reduced. And that's really upsetting some of the uh, production companies here in New Zealand. Yeah, the one over in the Hawke's Bay is charging more if you've got solar panels on your roof because how dare you? We're not subsidising you. Uh, you need the grid and you're not paying your fair share, which is extremely short-sighted and very bad customer service. But the idea that I have to be inefficient and, and use your service in order to keep you happy is you, you've got the wrong end of the stick when it comes to customer service there, I think. I, I was having a chat the other day um, with uh, Simon McKenzie at Vector, and he's, I said, I bet the, uh, the average usage uh, in households has gone up hugely because of all the devices. And I was thinking of my own house. I've got the kids now. They've all got iPads. We've got phones, everything. It's all got to be going up. He said, absolutely not. In fact, devices are so much more efficient these days that consumption amazing, has dropped yeah. over the last 20 years. Yeah, New Zealand uses less power we use than less it used power. to. We're more, more efficient. Yeah. So, and his argument, and he's quite right, is, well, does that mean that we should all be paying more for our power in order to um, shore up the demand for keeping the national grid? No, of course not. You've actually got to embrace this whole move to, uh, to batteries, uh, and, and the Tesla model is the way to do it. Absolutely is. I'll have a roof full, thanks, and I'll have a couple of those power wall beasts in the garage, uh, we'll plug the whole thing in, and then as soon as I can get my car going, we'll be off. We'll be off and running. Although Tesla has come in for quite a lot of flat for not really being able to answer questions around pricing. Well, yes, and it could range from anything <laughs> in the US from seven thousand right through to seventy thousand. Yeah, which is quite a range, really, when you think about it. And yeah, yeah, and I've yet to see one of these things in the wild. I know they're, they're talking about um, reselling, uh, having a reseller deal uh, dealership here in New Zealand who can sell the, the batteries and. 
install them and all the rest of it. But yeah, until there's actually some product, it's all wonderful and we're all reviewing the box, but nobody's actually got their hands on any of the kit. So yes, please, Tesla, we'll have some of that, um, but I'd like to see it in the flesh. And the and the real pricing, but you know, yeah, yeah they've they've had some interesting statements about them being com- you know competitive with uh, other roof tiles that are out there. But yep. you know, of course, they're they're talking about probably very very slick, high end, expensive That's roof right. tiles. I've got a tin um, roof, and I'm fairly and, uh, sure they didn't price yeah, it accordingly. Yes. yes, so I doubt that's going to be the um, at the ten thousand you know Kiwi yeah. dollar end of the scale. Which you know there are there are roofs built on. Houses in New Zealand for uh, for that sort of that oh, sort of yeah, price. That's, so, that's exactly right. uh, but um, yeah, it's I think you know it's it's good to see. Apparently, uh, General Electric also have had a mm. play in this space, which of course we've heard nothing about because I don't know they haven't done a yeah. good job of of telling people. And of course, Tesla, you know, is is kind of like Apple in a way. They're a they're a company that everyone's interested in what that's they're right. doing. And uh, anything that they do is going to get widely reported on. Um, but also, they're likely to actually sell a lot of this stuff yeah, yeah. Um, because of who they are, because of how much interest people take. You know, it's not something, it's not um, something I guess people get excited about when a company like General Electric does yeah. stuff uh, as when Tesla does it for, for better or for worse. And I think there's been a bit of a Twitter exchange and certainly some conversation in the last 24 hours about Tesla adding. Um, these um, solar roofs to cars. Yeah, that's well. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's that's got to be quite fascinating as well. Well, there's they... uh, now I'm trying to remember the name of the car company there is, and we've talked about it on the podcast before because I saw one of these cars at uh, CES one year. Um, there, uh, somewhat, some I'll I'll remember later. Um, but there there is an electric car, uh, Fisker, a Fisker, uh, yes. Fisker. So they um, they launched their car. Oh, a few years ago now, and uh, and it came with a solar um, a solar roof, mm. and uh, so they are going to be they're going to be launching uh, the or they've already launched I think the um, the Fisker Karma, which is their um, their newest, but they debuted um, with their first um, product I think two thousand and eight. Uh, yeah, that was part of their uh, part of their thing as a as an electric vehicle that it would get powered from yeah, the, yeah. Uh, from, from the from the roof. That's a great so, idea. Um, if yeah. you can get enough juice out of the roof, then yep. uh, then why not? But I guess the main issue is that, that you, you know, the, the the roof on a car isn't uh, isn't a huge amount of surface area. No. These things get more efficient, and the mention of uh, windows that can uh, oh, that's right. You know, take in power, and um, you know, I guess if you've got every surface that. Because cars can get pretty hot, right? They can, so exactly. If you can yeah. somehow capture all of that and yep. um, fire it back into your uh, batteries, then, yeah, yeah. Um, then away you go. Yep, and and you know this is this maybe is maybe really a windmill the on top as well. Well, windmills have their own <laughs> issues. Vodafone built a uh, sustainable cell site a few years ago yep. for Great Barrier Island because what would happen is the the cell site uh, is on a little island just off Great Barrier Island, mm. and it's diesel powered. So they would resupply the diesel uh, generator. The locals would wait until everybody left, then they'd row over and steal the diesel uh, and then complain about lack of cell phone coverage. So Vodafone would resupply and they'd do the same thing all over again. So this got to be quite a nightmare. So they cleaned up the site. They got rid of all the diesel. They put in a shed full of batteries, um, a solar panel and a windmill. And, Did um, steal the windmill and the no, batteries? No, no. Well, they got very or grumpy the because there was nothing to steal because lead batteries, who cares? Um, nobody wanted the uh, solar panels at all. The windmill, uh, it got so windy it would constantly destroy the uh, propeller. 
uh, and the mechanism um, couldn't cope with the amount of wind. So I'm not sure if that's commissioned at the moment, but they were producing enough electricity from the solar panels alone to power their cell site and telecom cell site and two degrees cell site. So they were selling power to the other guys and it's all green. Every winter you get some big problem down in the South Island with um, snow destroying you know, cell sites and access and the power supply. We should just have these things all over the place. It's, it's a fantastic um, operation. It was very expensive to design as a one-off, but you, know, you churn these things out by the thousand and, and you've got a whole new ballgame. It's the decentralization of, of all of those things that used to be just limiting capability. And now suddenly it's, it's oh, well, yeah, we just got power. We don't know how it gets here. It's just, it's just by magic. I quite like it. Yeah. No, it's kind of kind of cool. And the prices will keep coming down. They will. They will. Mm. Absolutely. Well, thank you both for uh, for joining the New Zealand Tech Podcast again. Emma, where do people track you down online if they want to uh, keep up to date with your tweets and bits and pieces? Are you doing much tweeting lately? Do you know, I, I'm a bit of a voyeur on Twitter. I You're use a stalker. It, yeah, I use it for, for research purposes. <laughs> I don't do a huge amount of tweeting myself, but um, no, I do use it for research purposes. But if anyone wants to get hold of me, it's at Emma Branham is my handle. Excellent. And I, I use Twitter constantly as a stream of consciousness um, mind dump. So you, if you follow me... I find me, it very helpful, actually. <laughs> I stalk you occasionally. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no avoiding me on Twitter, I'm afraid. So just at Paul Brislin, you'll find me. Excellent. And I'm uh, at Paul Spain, so pretty easy to, uh, to track down. And people are welcome to, uh, to email me as well, paul at spain.nz. So that's us for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. And we will be yeah, back on our regular schedule and, uh, and back again uh, next week. All right. Thanks for listening in. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.